Nobody can apologize enough for raping you, as he did two years later when they met at a wedding. Her body froze with that one apology she was to put that night behind her, all the anger and disgust. But this is not how it goes. It's the soreness of living in a body someone thought was worth violating that kills you, the numbing silence, the inaudible reproach. She decided to bury the goals that came with those nightmares, thinking casual relationships would help her forget, thinking the same sex that was used to abuse her would heal her. One man after another, but there was no settling, no satisfaction, no healing. The heavy drinking and smoking that ensued gave her a tough face, an illusion of freedom that she could lead a normal life like everybody else but she knew something inside would never be washed away by beer and cigarettes. She knew. You always know. The men who happily offered their opportunistic members only said they loved her fire, not her, said they could barely control themselves around her. She became the doormat they stepped on after a long muddy day when they needed deliverance from life's tasking oddities. And she showed up like a pawn. Each encounter pasted a layer of thick attar onto her sturdy mask. She hid and hid and hid until she could barely recognize herself anymore. She morphed into an artist of her own undoing. The bars of work, quick sex, liquor, and intoxicating giddiness consumed her existence. When you camouflage long enough, your obscurity becomes your truth. You, you begin to believe your lies. You battle your depression like a clueless sage monking his way to the grave. Some people never come back. Juno Diaz said, no one can hide forever. Eventually, what used to hold back the truth doesn't work anymore. You run out of escapes, you run out of exits, you run out of gambits, you run out of luck. Eventually, the past finds you. This is the story of many sexually abused women living in the torment of their untold narratives for the fear of what more they could lose if they came out. We birthed this irate monster that fuels quietude as a coping mechanism and yet this deeply patriarchal construct does not only destroy women. Silence. I liked my father's affirmation growing up. I was the family's disgrace, too stubborn to be good for anything. I never attained enough grades to his satisfaction, never a you-have-tried-keep-going remark in his grueling assessments, except for the most creative success card I received while sitting for my KCPE, which covered all his mistakes. A tumultuous adolescence dried my emotional reservoirs. I barely had any love left for myself. My heart was thirsty for safety, for warmth, for peace, for companionship. I thought self-destructing would be the way, the best way out. I tried it, and that too, because I was such a terrific failure at everything, did not suffice. I thought I had survived the unworthy sensibilities that come with growing up in a violent home, 
But after my first sexual encounter at 20, everything went downhill. I looked for love, assertion, closure, and verification in women's bodies. God, did I crash into them? Did I shadow them with my profuse misery? I thought I could heal from anything if I was good in bed, if I made women orgasm, if they parted my chest with approval, if they called me cute little pet names, if they wore to pleasure me, if they dared cross unsafe streets to come for sex in my house at wee hours, if I flirted like a con, if they sucked up to my bullshit. I thought. You see, the thing I was taught about manhood is, if you conquered women, if you made them want you, if you manipulated them into doing what you want, then that means you're the man. But in truth, you're playing yourself while hurting people, and this should not be the way to live. This debasing desolation was taking my life down the drain, and I was taking those women with me. Women who offered me their bodies as experiments to, their, to the search for my liberation. Women who wanted to stay through it all, but I didn't allow them. Women who were lost like me. Women. These mental wounds are what we call trauma. Trauma is the Greek word for wound. In psychology, it's a sense of psychic wound unpleasant experience which causes abnormal stress. Trauma has very many different effects. If you abused, if you witnessed something that just scarred your mind, something that scarred your memory, something that scarred your body, it manifests differently in different people. Most times, people associate trauma with war but forget other aspects of daily life violence that make people feel unsafe. So many of us grew up in violent homes, but we've never really gotten a chance to release the stress we underwent in our childhoods in a healthy way. It wasn't just the environment at home. The structural violence around us caused us so much pain, it affected how we interact with the world as people and individuals. From watching our parents fighting, lacking enough space to walk on the roads as pedestrians, strict rules and dehumanizing education systems in schools, impunity, child rape, religious violence, tribal conflict, to insecurity. All of which we had to train ourselves to navigate while growing up around adults who were equally having it rough but did not know how to explain it to us. The outcome is a disoriented populace that keeps recycling the same violence it was brought up with, with rising living standards, increased corruption, inaccessible education, poor urban planning, and food insecurity. That, coupled with an Africa that is still economically assaulted by European powers, and this manufactured scarcity of resources, keeps a people with no other means to survive than thrive in violence. For everyone tr is trying to protect the little they've got, and those who don't have anything will try grab from those with little because the rich are untouchable. And this translates to increased crime rates, sexual violence, substance abuse, and poor health. What hope is there for anyone living in these conditions?
But something interesting is the power of community, which for me has been the greatest source of my healing. Structural violence works so hard to separate people so they find it easier to live in disharmony. Community is used against itself such that the power to organize for freedom and prosperity is sabotaged for personal gain through propaganda, favoritism, and alienation. Mental wellness goes hand in hand with social justice. Liberation of the body is connected to the liberation of the mind, the personal and the collective mind. We shall achieve no better world if we keep silent at the face of injustice. Whatever social class you belong to, if you are incognizant of your privilege, if you use your power to reduce others, if you shut the voiceless out in whatever capacity, you contribute to environmental pollution, both of the external earth around you and the internal space within human beings. And this ignorance will eat you too eventually. This is why mental unwellness does not discriminate. Someone down the line eventually pays. You or someone you know or someone related to someone you know. What's my call to action today? Learn about privilege. Inquire if you hadn't. The privileges you enjoy and how they affect your interaction with others and yourself. Go deeper. See how these privileges make life hard for others if you abuse them. Privilege could be something as simple as being able to speak English around people who don't know it. Being able to drive to work or board a matatu. Being able to walk on two feet or be part of a dominant tribe or religion. Privilege is any advantage you might have over anyone in whatever capacity, out of whatever reasons. My name is Onyango Otieno. You're listening to Touring My Mind podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Rickspoet, that's R-I-X-P-O-E-T, or Onyango Otieno on Facebook. If you've got any questions or comments, you can email me via text me at rickspoet.com. That's text me, T-E-X-T-M-E, at rickspoet.com. Let's get talking.